on a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking down the land through the sugar candy, looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang a song of the land of Middle Tennessee. Hey there. This is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. I've always been good at just, like, committing 100% to things, and I think it's just interesting... To me, it's, it's not as interesting to see what happens when you, you go half in. Nothing amazing happens when you don't commit to things fully. So I think just to commit to something fully, something amazing has to happen. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is Kimchi, and I'll be hosting my very first episode. That voice you just heard was Aaron Rice. And on this episode, I've strayed from talking specifically about thru-hiking to interview Aaron and his partner, Joe Campanelli, about their attempt at breaking a world record. I wanted to interview these two remarkable humans for a number of reasons. It's winter, and for the most part, thru-hiking season is dormant. Aside from planning for the next big walk, most of us try to find an activity in the winter to get outside, to stay active mentally and physically, and for me, it's skiing. I always knew I liked hiking, and when I met Joe and Aaron a few years ago, they introduced me to backcountry skiing, which actually allows you to strap on skis, put skins on your skis, and hike to the top of mountains, traverse the landscape, and then ski down. To me, it's like being able to thru-hike, but coming back home at the end of the day, and much like thru-hiking, backcountry skiing allows you to be in nature, in the outdoors, during winter. I met Joe and Aaron in Alta, Utah, in the Wasatch Mountains, where I learned to ski. I watched them both progress in their backcountry skiing over the years, and truthfully, they inspired me to hike my very first thru-hike on the Pacific Crest Trail two years ago. They're just two regular guys, and I've seen them push harder and go bigger every single year. They've taught me, as well as others, that you can do anything you want as long as you educate yourself and push yourself. Aaron is currently trying to break the world record for most human-propelled, ascended, skied, vertical feet in one calendar year. To put it simply, he's trying to ski uphill 2.5 million feet in one year. Joe, his good friend, is helping him to reach this goal. In a sense, this is Aaron's thru-hike. He has to commit, he has to be disciplined, and he has a variety of of variables and challenges to meet his goal. He has to be physically and mentally strong as well. What a better way to get through winter than to listen to two guys who love being outside in the winter talking about walking uphill on the snowy mountains. Aaron blatantly tells me he's not an athlete during the interview. He also explains that even though he likes to be organized, he has no idea what's going to happen. Does this sound familiar? We all have some crazy ideas and goals, but I think Aaron's right. Nothing interesting happens if you don't commit fully, and something amazing has to happen if you go all in. That being said, let's give a listen to Aaron and Joe talking about their crazy snowy endeavors and what pushes them to keep going so hard, as hard as they do. All right, this is Kimchi with Sounds of the Trail, and I'm sitting here with Aaron Rice and Joe Campanelli. Aaron, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from and how old you are and why you think I'm interviewing you. My name is Aaron Rice, and I'm from Massachusetts. I'm 25, and I guess Kim's interviewing me because I'm trying to ski a lot in the backcountry this year. The goal is the most ever, which okay. is two and a half million feet. All right, so two and a half million feet. I don't know if anyone even knows what that means. So the record right now is two million feet, 
and that was set in 2010. And basically, to put that into a little perspective, I'm trying to average 10,000 feet a day, which is six Empire State Buildings every day. So basically, it's going out every single day, skiing, and having that skiing be all self-propelled, so all hiking up for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's about eight to ten hours every single day. So Aaron's saying that he's basically climbing 10,000 feet a day. He's gaining 10,000 feet in elevation and then skiing down. As far as mileage, what do you think it sort of translates to for a thru-hiker? My daily mileage is about double the miles of the vertical, if that makes sense. So 10,000 feet would be about 20 miles. But you have to remember half of that skiing, or a little less than half is skiing, which is really easy mileage. Downhill. Downhill, exactly. So it's basically 10 plus miles a day. So I really want to talk to Joe as well. Joe, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us how old you are and what your position is in all of this. My name's Joey Campanelli. I'm 29 years old, grew up in New York, and my position in this is uh, I like to consider myself like uh, his right-hand man, <laughs> his uh, domestique. You know, I, uh, I'm i out there skiing because I enjoy it, but at the same time, I'm helping. I'm almost like a pacer, if you will, like, uh, you know, people have pacers for 100 milers or what have you. You know, I'm just there to moral support, just to have a partner when you're skiing in the backcountry. There's avalanche danger and other kinds of danger as far as, you know, skiing goes. And it really helps to have someone else there in case something goes wrong. And that's my job. That's your job. And, and for the record, Joey is faster than me and goes further than me, like, every single day. Look, he just didn't want to do it for a year. This is a big part of your partnership. So in through hiking, you know, if you start with a partner or you have someone that's with you, you're talking about pacing, you're talking about schedules and timing. What are you guys noticing about your relationship trying to go for this record? Just how do you work together on a daily basis? So we talk a lot because we have a lot of time to talk. I mean, we're out there basically 10 hours every single day, most days together, I'd say. Yeah, five days probably out of seven. And traveling an avalanche train and skiing and hiking in general, whether through hiking or whatever, I think it's inherently stressful. Like you're hitting obstacles and that stress just underlies all the time. And then interpersonal things come up and you're already kind of on edge or whatever. And then you maybe blow up at the person or whatever. And so that happens all the time with us. (laughs) We're constantly trying to like figure it out because we do push each other and we do like skiing with each other. But we also have very different approaches. Like Joey says, like a 10-hour, 10,000-foot day is nothing for him. (laughs) Or is a nice wintertime activity, I think is what he said. And he also is, he likes the uphill more than I like the uphill. I like the downhill. I'm in it for the downhill at the end of the day. Joe, how many feet, how many vertical feet have you skied so far this this year, this calendar year? I just fell short of 600,000 feet today, so I'm at like 598, I think. I'm wondering what your motivation is and if you think that you're assisting Aaron in, in breaking this record, but you're not attempting to do the to break the record yourself, and why is that? You know, I love skiing. It's great. And I love running, and I love backpacking, and I love cycling. I cannot do one sport year-round. I get very bored. I get really into what I'm doing, and when I'm into it, I can do a lot of it, and then I just, boom, want to do something else, and I'm into that. So I I just could not see skiing 
360 days of the year or 350 days of the year. I want to go run. I want to go backpack. I want to cycle. So I think for me, I don't know that I ever attempt this record, but if I did, it would be like, how much could I get in six months? Not a whole year. So Aaron says I like the uphill maybe more than him, but I, I like the experience of being out in the woods. I'm going somewhere new. Like I don't really care about the skiing. I'm just exploring this area seeing something I haven't seen, seeing it in winter instead of summer. So on the other side of that spectrum, we have Aaron. You seem like you're a little bit more planned out. And you have to be because you just decided to take an entire year of your life to break a record. Not only doing it in one place, but having to go to different countries to do so. So that's like a lot of logistics and a lot of planning. How can you have a lot of enjoyment when you're literally having to plan out your entire year? Well, I'm glad it seems like I logistically <laughs> figured this out because I definitely have not. You're so modest. No, I really have not. I put a lot of energy on this summer into figuring out a lot of different aspects of it, but I kind of did like the course plan. So I know where I'm going to be at any given month, but past that, I have no idea. But I guess where do I, like, where do I get my enjoyment out of, out of this? For me, just I've always been comfortable outside. I grew up just outside of Boston and slowly moved further and further uh, into the suburbs until I was in like elementary school. And then we kind of stayed in one spot that was pretty rural. But like literally since I was three, my mom would take me out and we'd go and we'd identify wildflowers on the bike path. Uh, when I was a little older, I started going to this wilderness camp in Vermont in the summers and I'd go all summer. And that was where I was comfortable, just like being outside, living outside. And a little tangent, but I always saw the AT as this thing that I would do. I was like, I will do the Appalachian Trail. Like, that's something I want to do. <laughs> yeah, but then I realized that hiking really isn't my thing. Like, I don't really like hiking that much. I like going uphill, but like hiking downhill hurts my knees and like, but I also, so I had this whole theme of like always being outside in my through my childhood, into high school, through college, leading trips. and But I also had this parallel thing of, of skiing. And I would go on family trips, just whatever, growing up. But then in high school, I started racing and then going on trips with friends and really started falling in love with it and then started backcountry in college. And then at some point a few years ago, I kind of like put the two together. I was like, whoa, I can like be outside doing this thing that resembles hiking but isn't and get to ski and like skiing for me is just like the ultimate happiness just like being able to like go downhill that fast and cover that ground and like get face shots and ski powder or whatever it is and just like be in the amazing mountains and be able to travel so efficiently like to me that's just perfection this is basically the substitute for my through hike being able to commit this strong to something for every single day so I guess what I want to ask you is what's kind of changing in like this short period of time? You just started what, like a month ago? Well, I lost 15 pounds in a month. That <laughs> happened pretty fast. That changed. I luckily had that to lose, but I don't have much more left. What else is changing? Well, one thing that's kind of hard to ignore right now in Utah is the avalanche danger is really bad. It's kind of the worst it's been in my four years here, at least for an extended period. And that's been something 
that we've had to deal with a lot this year. I don't know if Joey wants to touch on that too, but we haven't been able to ski quote unquote fun stuff. Like we've still been skiing powder and when it does snow, there's some safe stuff, but we've done a lot of mellower terrain. I think Joey wants to talk. Aaron gets more enjoyment of skiing more technical lines, more aesthetic lines, bigger, challenging or more challenging lines. And those ones are like strictly off limits right now. So we're doing stuff that I enjoy that stuff as well, but I also enjoy noodling on metals, mellow stuff, just exploring new areas and, you know, just kind of doing quote unquote stupid stuff. But I enjoy it. I get a kick out of how stupid it is. And I think Heron struggles with that a little bit more. So I think that's been, that's definitely been a struggle for this whole month. So let's say you really like hiking. And man, you get out on the Appalachian Trail and you got to hike up over roots and rocks and you're in the tunnel and it's great. Or you're on the PCT and you got these great views. But now they're like, well, that trail's a little dangerous. You can't go out there. There's too many cougars. They're going to eat you. And you get, so you're stuck walking around the, the community track and you're just <laughs> walking around the track. And oh, guess what? I went around 4th Street, the block today. And I did 150 laps there. So that's like, that's a, actually a decent analogy of what we're saying is there's this fun hiking trail, but we're stuck walking on the cement, boring in the city with cars around. I don't know. Avalanche danger plays a huge part in what you're doing. And you are <laughs> attempting to do this and break this record in one of the most serious avalanche danger places in the world. <laughs> Can you tell me why you've decided to do this? Yeah, I mean, with avalanche danger also comes good skiing. It's kind of like a a double-edged sword. So, yeah, I mean, Alta and Utah and the Wasatch Range have the best powder skiing in North America, probably. And with that comes 550 inches of snow every year and lots of avalanche danger. So it's definitely a risk, but it's it's a risk that's manageable. And that's why I'm taking it because it means more powder skiing and better skiing. So that being said, you want to break this record, right? And and you want to have enjoyment of doing it. Where do you think comes the satisfaction for you or even the drive to continue to do something like that, even in such high avalanche danger? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not quite as bad as it sounds. Like, I am able to get to new places. I I try to only do the same run a couple times in a day unless it's a sprint day. But, like, today I was able to go ski seven or eight different runs and cross no tracks and ski all powder, and it was pretty good today. And, yeah, the avalanche danger is high on the slopes next to where I'm skiing. But if you have the education and you read the forecast every day, you, you can figure out where it's safe to go. And... That's actually a huge part of it for me that is so fun, is traveling an avalanche train and making those decisions is is really interesting to me. And learning about snowpack and the weak layers and what causes avalanches and um, what makes a slope safe and what makes a slope dangerous. And I think it's it's good to talk to people who kind of seem to appear superhuman to the outside world and to show everyone that they're pretty much regular people. They're just a little bit crazier in some realms. So Aaron and Joe are both, I guess you would say they're regular people. They have regular jobs. They don't make a lot of money and they have pretty extreme goals, which are uh, getting out into the backcountry and getting out, I guess, as hard as possible. Joe, I kind of wanted to ask you this because I know you actually got to go to work soon. I guess, how would you compare doing what you're doing 
on your through hiking as opposed to this. And also give us a little bit more background on sort of the multitude of outdoor activities that you've done and that you do because you really do a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've, I've dabbled in everything. I don't know. I mean, I got into endurance sports seven years ago, I guess. Uh, this girl I've seen in San Francisco got me into ultras and I'd always wanted to do Ironman. So I did like a 50 miler was like my first race. And then I did Ironmans for a few years and did ultras for a few years and kind of noodled around that world. I did like bodybuilding back in college. <laughs> you know, I moved to Utah and to ski for a winter and then I fell in love and stayed the place stayed in the place. I love traveling in mountains and skiing's the way to do it in the winter time or whenever there's snow on the ground. Skiing is the way to do it. I mean, this is totally, totally different than my experiences on the long trail because I got on the AT and it was like, start your watch and you don't stop until you hit Katata or you hit Canada and and it was just like pretty stressful in a sense like I mean I'm out there enjoying it but it's like if I'm not moving forward I need to be recovering and I'm and you got to be really intent on that whereas this is a little more you know I wake up every day and it's like where do I want to hike let's go ski some powder and I sleep in my own bed and, you know I get to eat whatever food I want like one of the things I love about this is I get to have fresh vegetables fruit uh you know whatever food i want whereas on the trail i'm eating like whatever i can carry which is dry dehydrated stuff bars uh peanuts nuts whatever and so i really enjoy food i enjoy eating good food and you just don't get that on the the trail Aaron, I guess, what do you think is, what is, what are you taking from this? What's the best, the best thing that you're taking from this so far? And again, with the changes, like, I don't know, how do you think it's going to change in the next year? And what, tell us kind of where you're going. Yeah, I guess one thing that's kind of a change is I just want to answer the question for myself of why I want to do this. Like people keep asking me that and I don't really have a good answer. So hopefully I'll figure that answer out. <laughs> Like, like at the core, why do I want to do this? I mean, I want to do it because I want to ski powder. I want to do it because I love being in the mountains, but why do I really want to? Hopefully I'll figure out. And then where am I going? So I'll be in Utah all winter until the end of April. And then I'll be in Colorado and maybe the Eastern Sierras and maybe the Pacific Northwest to do some volcano skiing. That's for May and June. And then July, I head down to Argentina, to Patagonia, and spend four months there living in huts, and then hopefully renting a van for a month and skiing some volcanoes down there. And I haven't really figured all that out, but I was there two summers ago, so I have an idea and some friends down there. And then that'll bring me to November. In November, I have no idea because the snow is really fickle in November. So if it's good in Utah, maybe I'll come to Utah. Uh, otherwise, like interior British Columbia and Canada usually has good snow early in the season. And the guy who has the record right now happens to live there. So maybe he'll want to ski with me. December, so the last month, likely back in Utah, but not for sure. Something that kind of struck me while you were talking about all this is what do you... <laughs> What are you going to do without Joe? I mean, when do you think you're not going to be with him anymore? And you shake your head, but having someone to back you up really kind of pushes it and makes it a little bit worth it, especially when you're really starting to get tired. No, totally. No, that's it's it's huge having Joey to support me right now and just wake me up and tell me how to stretch and tell me how to recover with our cream. <laughs> with, <laughs> I mean, he's no, he's not my coach, but but I just ask him and he he's been doing it for eight years. And I mean, I've I've never considered myself an athlete ever. 
I did sports and did athletic things, but I was never an athlete. And Joey has always been an athlete. So he just has this wealth of knowledge that I don't have. And so like the other day I woke up and you know that feeling like after you've hiked for like six or seven or eight hours or whatever and you bonk, you just like are completely depleted of everything. Like you don't even know what you're depleted of, like whether it's energy or electrolytes, but you just like your legs, your legs are dead and you can't move. So I've gotten that before and I've kind of figured out how to keep that from happening while I'm out there. But the other day, like two weeks ago, I woke up and felt that way and had to like get up here, get my ski stuff on and go ski for 10 hours and felt that way all day long. (laughs) And it was brutal. And basically realized that I just like wasn't recovering my muscles well enough. So now as soon as I'm done, at least this is the goal and this happens maybe three out of four days right now. But as soon as I'm done skiing, I get a pitcher and I fill it with like 32 ounces of orange juice and then like 32 ounces of seltzer and then eight ounces of soy milk. And so that's like mostly sugar and a little bit of protein, maybe at four to one is the idea. Then I drink that in like 20 minutes or something. And like that's my recovery now. And it seems to have worked. My muscles feel better in the morning. It's called a creamsicle. <laughs> well, the, I, the I dream idea he got for yeah. me, the 4 to 1, 5 to 1 ratio of carbs to protein is a uh, well-known fact in the exercise <laughs> physiology world. Maybe I hinted at or someone else did, yeah. but he got the idea and we talked about it. I have a degree in exercise physiology, so those science-y questions I take care of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not like he's like, co- he's not my coach, but like he knows all this stuff. So when I ask him, he answers. Oh, so, I enjoy and he likes answer. Yeah, he likes it. So, um, so yeah, it's huge having him. And so when I go to Colorado and I don't, I mean, I have, I've skied in Colorado the last three summers and, and he's going to hopefully join for little bits, but I think he's going to find a trail that he likes and go do that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I have a bunch of friends there that'll hopefully keep me motivated. And I've kind of been doing this the last three years, skiing as much as I possibly can, but I've been working a lot more and I haven't been as focused. Um, so I've had long stretches where I've been skiing by myself and the skiing itself does motivate me a lot. I am nervous about four months in Argentina just because they're so relaxed down there (laughs) and keeping my motivation to like go for a focused goal is going to be hard when everybody just wants to sit around and drink mate for three hours every morning. (laughs) Give me some quick numbers. Tell me how many feet you're doing a day what your week is like, how many hours you're spending out there, how much, how many calories do you think you're taking in, how many hours you work a week, how many, what you sleep. So some numbers. Right now, it's the 26th, I think, something like that. So, and I'm averaging slightly over 10,000 a day. So I'm basically at 260,000 feet on the year. And I'm averaging just over 1,000 feet an hour. So that's about 250 hours, I think, of skiing this month in the past 26 days. Yeah. So what does yeah. that average? So it's about day? 10 hours every single day. Seven and the, the quickest days are like four hours, four and a half hours. And the longest are like 12. I try to keep those 12-hour days to a minimum, but sometimes they happen. And yeah, so I'm working eight hours a week, which is not much. And I'm doing that in return for food. So for no fight, you're not getting no any money. financial, no, no. I decided that it would work better if I could just eat as much possible food as I could every single day and eat vegetables and eat good food. So just the other day, I was curious and I just did a rough calculation and it came out to 7,500 calories a day. 
but I want to like do a really good one, and I think I think it'll be right around there, plus or minus a thousand. So you're burning seventy five hundred calories a day. You're working a job, not to blow up your spot or anything, but how monetarily, how much, how what do you think that translates to if you're burning seventy five hundred calories a day? Oh God, it's crazy. <laughs> so I have a friend in town the last couple of days, and I decided to just buy my own food so that it would just be easier to eat with him, and it's out of control, like. I don't know how much it would be, but if I bought like all the vegetables and stuff, it would be like $200 a week. I don't know. It'd be a lot. All right. So we're talking 7,500 calories a day, 70 hours a week at least of skiing. How many vertical feet a week are you skiing? 70,000. 70,000 vertical feet a week. I think it's like three Everest a week. week. Okay. So you're climbing three Everest a week. From sea level. This also translates to let's talk real quick because in through hiking, you have zeros. Yeah. Do you get to have any zeros? <laughs> I don't plan on taking any zeros until um, I go to a wedding in May. Maybe I'll take one to move out of my apartment, but probably not. Basically, my the closest thing I get to a zero is when I do like a four-hour fast day and do maybe like 8,000 feet. You're not getting paid for any of this technically, but you are, however, sponsored. So how much time do you spend on keeping up with your social media and fulfilling what you're supposed to fulfill for your sponsors? Yeah, I mean, I should probably be spending more time on that stuff. Um, I probably spend five to ten hours a week doing social media and blog posts and talking back and forth with the companies and dealing with gear and all that kind of stuff. So... Where does that leave you in your personal life? We kind of made a joke about monk status, yeah. but... <laughs> what, yeah, what's that? <laughs> so you're, I guess what I'm getting to, and what I wanted to ask Joe too, is why the crap would you do this? Like, you have no personal life, you have no time to have a girlfriend, you have no time to do anything that you, I guess, leisurely want to do. What, what are you doing something like this for? Like, what is the drive? And I know you just said that you were trying to figure the answer out. Why, why would you do something like this? And, and why, like, what gives you so much? You're getting something in return. I guess, like what I said earlier, I'm still trying to figure that out. But I think I'm kind of just curious, like, what's possible. And I think if I never try and never try to figure out what I can do, I'll always regret that. And I say, I, I guess I somewhat jokingly say I have no personal life, but I, I do. I mean, I'm out there for 10 hours skiing. It's not like I'm out there walking around by myself like yeah, often I'm often I'm <laughs> often I'm a Joe but but I also there's lots of other people that I ski with as well maybe once every week or two I'm skiing with lots of different people and do have all these different friendships that are all related through skiing for sure because that's all I have time for but <laughs> but yeah I don't know maybe I think if I ask myself that question too much then I won't like the answer and but <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think I think there is some reason that I'm doing this, and yeah, I'll just have to figure it out. I'm going to say, I mean, just from – because I actually look at his posts, and they kind of push me all the time. And it seems like you get a lot of – you're really happy in, in a lot of your solitude. You get to see the weather change more than anyone else. You see sunrises and sunsets, and you're watching the same terrain change all day long. And I don't know. There's got to be something really fulfilling about that relationship that you have with the backcountry that other people don't ever get to have because they're kind of one and done or maybe like slightly committed. Like, 
I guess it's the reverse. Like your relationship with nature is so committed, like to the Wasatch, you're so committed. Your relationship is so dedicated that you just don't have time for anyone else. You're like a monogamy queen for the <laughs> for the Wasatch. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I've always been good at just like committing a hundred percent to things. And I think it's just interesting. To me it's it's not as interesting to see what happens when you you go half in. Nothing amazing happens when you don't commit to things fully. So I think just to commit to something fully, something amazing has to happen. When did, when did you decide to go for the record? And what do you think prompted you to go from just having a great time skiing in the backcountry and making spreadsheets then? Because he actually started documenting his vertical gain feet a while ago. And would you would also document the weather, I think, and uh, documented everything, right? You're trying to tell me you're not organized. So, <laughs> so what, when do you think you went from that to saying, you know what, I'm going to dedicate every single day to skiing this many feet because I know you weren't skiing 10,000 vertical feet a day before. And I know you had rest days and I know you were doing other stuff like once in a while you went climbing and stuff like that. Yeah. What, so when did you go from just being, you know, doing outdoor stuff normal to, to crazy. <laughs> normal to crazy? When did you go from normal to crazy? Um. <laughs> Those are your words. <laughs> yeah. um, so I always liked skiing more than I should have. And I always was pushing myself in college. I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning and going and doing what we call a dawn patrol where you start at night and you get to the top and you ski down at first light. And then we'd go back and we'd all go to our 935 class. I've been like pretty overly dedicated to skiing for a while. That being said, I never committed this hard, obviously. And every spring for the last four years, basically, since I graduated college and didn't have any direction in my life. Every spring, I melt down, like every single one. And I mean melt down, like I cry and I try to figure out what I'm doing with my life. And recently, I go to the desert and maybe I climb for a little bit or bike or whatever. And this spring, I melted down and couldn't figure out what I was doing and knew that I had to have some direction. I spent like a month traveling around the desert in Utah and visiting friends in Colorado and basically driving back east. And through that month, I told myself, well, at the beginning of it, I told myself, you need to do something. And I didn't say what it was. I just said, you need to do something. And that went from everything from like, go to grad school or go try to get a real job again in doing whatever, or maybe looking into working as a guide or starting to train to become a ski guide or doing avalanche forecasting, which maybe meant going to grad school. I mean, anything. I didn't really care. I just wanted direction. I didn't want to keep doing the seasonal thing. And in the back of my head at that point, I had this little like, well, maybe you could go for this record that you've always (laughs) known about and always imagined that you could do. So a month of driving around the country, living out of my Toyota Camry. And basically at some point I was like, I think I'm going to do this. And I started telling people just to see how it felt. And it's like, yeah, like, this is cool. And so then I went and lived with a friend in Vermont, which is where I went to school. So I have good connections there and it's beautiful. And I biked all summer and I did a whole bunch of work to make money, did a whole bunch of preparation for this and was just fully committed at that point and <laughs> spent five months preparing and working and not getting in as good a shape as I should have been. It sounds exactly like preparing for a through hike. And it sounds really similar to why people decide to do a through hike. 
And the only reason, obviously, I'm comparing the two is because this is this whole podcast is about through hiking. But I think through hiking in general is pretty much of a metaphor for life in general. I also think it's really important that we talk really quickly about. <laughs> you have a degree. You went to school. You went to college. Uh, so I guess you had a direction at some point. Um, what do you think kind of changed your direction and made you decide to go from something that made a good, decent living and gave you, I guess, a good, respectable way of life in society to dirtbagging it and trying to beat a world record that only some people care about and I would say very specific groups of people care about? I never really cared about like having a, a job other than the fact that it let me do the things I wanted. I don't know. I'm sure at some point in my life I'll get a job again, like a real one. Um, well, you talked about going into like putting putting what you love into like a job, like avalanche forecasting or right. something you're really good at. And totally. That you totally love. I don't know. I guess to me it was just about following my passion. It was like if I don't do it now, it's not going to happen. Um, actually, that was something that I do very vividly remember this last spring was thinking that I kind of like maybe I didn't know at this point, but I thought maybe I wanted to go for this record. And then I remember thinking, like, if I don't do it this year, it's never going to happen. And that somehow kind of clicked or something. It was like, you need to do this now. And how old are you again? 25. Do you ever get freaked out that you're going to go for a two and a half million vertical feet record when you're 25 and then when you're 28? I don't know. What what are you going to think of next, do you think? Like, what do you think you'll push yourself towards next? Obviously, you're not going to I'm gonna hoping st- I'll just be done with all this and just want to settle down. Uh, that might not happen. I wanted to ask you kind of the same thing. Like, what what do you think your turn is? You're the same way. Ever since I've known you, you're pretty much dedicated to what you're doing and pushing yourself as hard as possible. And on your days off, you would just literally spend like 13 hours running up and down the canyon and all over the place. And actually, one of my favorite things that you told me was that you flew back into Utah and ran home from the airport. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. What do you think pushes you and what's your return? Like, what's your relationship and how does it work for you? And how does it how does it even out in your personal life? Yeah, I don't have that much of a personal life. I tend to be a very introvert person. And so like I cherish days like today where I just put music on and I went inside my own brain and lived in my own little world for four hours and was figuring stuff out and thinking about stuff. And and I like to do that. And I just can't sit still and think like I would be the most awesome Buddhist monk uh, if I could sit still because I love that stuff. Just being in my own world in my own brain, in my own head, and just thinking thinking about stuff. I just like to do it while my heart rate's up and my <laughs> legs are moving. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that's what drives me on all, all of the running, hiking, skiing. I actually like being alone. I think that answers the question. I don't know. Yeah. What kind of advice would you give to people who, who kind of want to get after it, but it seems too intimidating? Because obviously you've started somewhere, and now you're like, no avalanche terrain and have done all types of stuff. Sure. Um, my biggest belief for people is that you have to find what you enjoy, and when you do that, you'll have unlimited uh, motivation and energy to do it. So, I don't know, whatever you try, a bunch of things, and out of 20 things you try, you know, one of them might be like, well, that was kind of fun, or I'm pretty good at it. And so, you know, if, if you find that, dive into it. Just explore it. Learn everything you can about the activity or the sport. Just try to do it as much as possible. And if you if you love something, like, it's nothing's intimidating. So, yeah. 
Is there anything that you would tell people, I guess, who are listening to this? Because there are people who are just like working and kind of trying to figure out their next move and maybe like thinking about doing something like this, but not ever committing to it. Yeah. This is something my mom always said to me and my sisters when we were growing up. And she said, just follow your passion. So it doesn't matter what your passion is. It may not even be outside, which would (laughs) blow my mind, but (laughs) uh, it may not be. So just whatever your passion is, though, follow it and things will work out. So what do you think is your favorite part of doing this whole process? Well, amazingly enough, my favorite place to ski, maybe no, not my favorite place to ski. My favorite place is in Vermont, and I do ski there. And it's called Chutes or Stoveview Chutes or Callahan Land. Everybody has a different name. But it's the first place I ever backcountry skied. And my mind was just totally blown when I went there because we took the lift up, skied half a run inbounds, and it was just awful. It was icy and it wasn't very good. And then we put these magical skins on that let us go uphill. And we walked into the backcountry and there was nobody there. Like there were no lift lines and there were no people with their families learning how to ski. And <laughs> we made it to this place. I mean, it was only like a 45 minute hike and we made it there and it was just like perfect snow. And we skied this unbelievable terrain for Vermont. And then for the next three years, I went there like once a week, every year, every day at four o'clock in the morning. And we'd go and we'd get there and the sun would rise and we'd drink tea and then we'd ski three laps and then we'd go to school or whatever. And so that place to me just like still is just the epitome of what backcountry skiing is and why I love it so much. And there's a hundred places in Utah that I like just as much for skiing. But somehow that place sticks out. That was the perfect ending to this, I think. <laughs> you kind of brought it right back to the root. So I know that you have to go to sleep. I really thank you for your time. Because in the amount of time that I interviewed you, how many vertical feet could you have skied? <laughs> if I was going fast, maybe 2,000. How much food could you have eaten? Oh, I could have eaten a lot of food. So I'm going to let you go to sleep. And thank you again. And uh, I'm Kim Chi, and I'm signing off. And I'm Aaron Rice, and I'm signing off. Just imagine all the calculations Aaron may have done at the time it took you to listen to this podcast. Or how many vertical feet Joey's climbed. Obviously, we all take pleasure in pushing ourselves to some kind of limit. Some of us more outward or maybe even considerably more excessive than others. I guess it's all about that balance. And of course, just getting one foot out the door and starting your own adventure. Any way you slice it, it takes all kinds. If you'd like to follow Aaron's progress... Check out his website at www.airandrice.com. That's airandrice.com. His Instagram is always beautiful and always updated. And his Instagram is at airandrice, same as the website. To read about Joey's through hiking adventures, follow his blog at joeycamps.blogspot.com or to see if he's hiking, running, cycling, or skiing, you can follow his Instagram at joeycamps. You can also look for links on our website at www.soundsofthetrail.com. Thanks for following me on my very first hosting adventure. Hope to see you out there somewhere. I'm Kim Chi and I'm signing out. Rock Candy Mountain, you never
never have to change your socks. And little streams of alcohol come a trickling through the rocks. All the railroad bulls have the tip of their hats, and the railroad bulls are all blind. A little lake of stew and a whiskey too. You can paddle all around it in your big canoe. I'm the bigger rock candy mountain.